Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and of course I'm joined by my co-host Max Mallow. How are you doing Max? What's up? Nothing much, you know, on my way to the moon. If anyone catches my drift, does everyone know what we're talking about here? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, we're in the middle of of, uh, the Reddit versus Wall Street war. (laughs) Yes, I didn't know that. That's yeah. what I figured you were talking about. I was like, what? Yeah, we're going to the moon. <laughs> I uh, am not completely educated on the subject whatsoever, but the memes, I'm here for the memes. So, yeah, here for the memes. Um, got an exciting episode today. Natalie had this brilliant idea to review another movie for the podcast today. So we are going to be reviewing the recently released Sightless, a Psychological thriller, I think is the best way to describe it, uh, starring mm-hmm. Madeline Petch, who's uh, most known for her role on Riverdale. And uh, yeah, I mean, before we even get into it, because of course we have to do our, our news roundup, but I feel like we both thought this movie was going to be way worse than it was, and it wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of like, so anytime there's a new horror movie on Netflix, like I'll probably watch it just because it's easily accessible. And, you know, why not? I don't have to pay for it. So I saw that this was coming on. And yeah, Madeline Pesch, you know, I'm a fan of hers. So I was like, Max, let's just watch this movie. It's probably going to be bad. And I agree, like it, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was straight up bad. Like it wasn't the best movie in the world. But I, you know, I wasn't too disappointed in it. Agreed. So, yeah, we'll be reviewing that later on in the episode. It will be a spoiler review. So fair warning now, if you haven't seen Sightless, stop listening. Go watch it. Come back. And we can uh, all share our thoughts on it together. Although you can't really talk to us as we're going on with the episode because this is recorded. But, you know, leave a comment and let us know or tweet at us later in the episode. Um Alrighty, so into our weekly horror news roundup. Natalie has scoured the internet for all of the horror news you need to know. Um, first off, uh, Darren Aronofsky and Jared Leto are teaming up with Blumhouse for a new movie called Adrift. So, first off, Darren Aronofsky, uh, known for, I would say, probably Black Swan is probably his most known film uh, that people would remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jared Leto, everyone should know, Oscar winner from Dallas Buyers Club. He was the Joker in that awful Suicide Squad movie. Um, but these these two combining with Blumhouse for a horror movie, I think, has all the makings of what could potentially be one of the best horror movies released in the year that it comes out. Yeah, whenever it comes out. Um I agree. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm a fan of Darren Aronofsky. Um, I think he's really great. And I think what people are talking about is that, you know, him and Jared Leto have collabed before in the movie Requiem for a Dream. It seems like 200 years ago that movie came out. Um, So things are a lot different. The world is a lot different. Um, Jared Leto is a lot older. You know, his career has has really changed since Requiem for a Dream. So I think I'm excited to see these two back at it. Um, Darren Aronofsky is definitely, you know, very a psychological um, thriller type of guy. And it's usually, you know, experimental, kind of confusing. Um, maybe some, you know, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Maybe some time travel that's not what I was trying to think of but that could be it too um I think you know his everything that he directs is very very interesting to put it mildly so this could be something insane yeah and like I said 
Black Swan. I feel like that's probably the movie that had the most commercial success that people yeah, would yeah. immediately think of. But I mean, Requiem is one of my favorite movies of all time. That movie is outstanding. It's a good point you brought up that they've already teamed up together before, so they have history of working together. Um, I mean, other movies that Aronofsky has directed include uh, The Fountain with Hugh Jackman, which is a wild trip. Um, Mother. Pie. Pie. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of movies that make you just go, like, when you, after you're watching that, you're, you're just kind of, like, numb. Because it's really, yeah. like, a trip is, like, the best way to describe it. Um, he also did The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm really excited because, again, it's Blumhouse. Blumhouse continues to put out hit after hit. Uh, so we'll see what happens with this new movie, Adrift, whenever it comes out. I believe you said, is it slated for 2021? I think. I, think um, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I, think I don't think that's... I think it's slated. Yeah, I think that's what the, this Deadline story says. So sources tell Deadline one of the one of 2021's first big packages is coming together as Leto has attached himself to star in Adrift with Aronofsky on board to direct. So, yeah, Jason Blum producing. Keep an eye out for that. Moving on, though, into Natalie's favorite genre of horror movies. <laughs> um, Netflix's next uh, big serial killer documentary will be about Dennis Nilsson, uh, and it will be based on his posthumous autobiography, which was published this month actually so give us the lowdown on this because you love your serial killers yeah so i actually am not familiar with dennis nelson so when i saw this kind of pop up i was you know more intrigued um especially because so yeah he passed away but this autobiography came out actually this last week um so very interesting and apparently in this autobiography he wrote it while he was in prison and he um like he admitted to some of the murders that he did um in this autobiography so it should be you know kind of wild and like you said I am um interested in the serial killer true crime drama and I think Netflix has kind of done a really great job in this genre um you know they did the Ted Bundy tapes one they recently did The Night Stalker, which I don't know if you watched it. I know we talked about it on this podcast, but it was so good. Loved it. Watched it all in one night. I could not help myself. It was really good. So um, I'm excited. I feel like this you know, has potential. And again, there's no release date. Don't know when they're going to be making it. But I think Netflix has a really good um, niche here. And they're, they're just really good in this area of true crime. Yeah, they've really cornered that market and, and done a great job with it. I mean... I feel like the mainstream hype, especially for me, like really started with the Ted Bundy, Zac Efron movie. Yeah. Um, but they are continuing to put out uh, good pieces of work when it comes to documentaries and media about, about serial killers. So yeah, if you want to read the autobiography, it's called history of a drowning boy. Um, so yeah, very interested to see what comes of this because We've also talked on the podcast before that Netflix is, you know, not looking like the premier streaming mm -hmm. service to really have. Like, I, uh, my, I myself and Natalie have have both voiced how excited we are about the HBO Max stuff that's coming out this year with Warner Brothers. Um, I mean, I finally started Mandalorian season two, so I'm super high on Disney <laughs> Plus right now. Wandavision mm -hmm. is awesome. I'm really loving yeah. that as well. So. Yeah, Netflix. Netflix definitely has some some ground to to gain when it comes to uh, the love of, I feel like the masses. Not to even mention that they lost The Office to Peacock. So, yeah, yeah. Netflix is in an interesting place this year because they are they're releasing a new movie every week, which is exciting. But there's no like there's not the big releases in TV. So it'll be interesting to see you know, how they hold it together. Hopefully we get a Stranger Things 4 release date soon. That will definitely keep the hype and keep people on Netflix. Um, but it's interesting. I think they are doing a really good job at documentaries and documentary series. But on the other hand, HBO is kind of the best at that. So I don't know. I mean, I'm still going to keep Netflix, love my Netflix just to be old, reliable. But it's not as exciting as, as it was even last year. Yeah, it's really crazy to think about because... I think of back like to the the days when I was in college and like House of Cards first came out 
and mm-hmm. how much that just changed the game and how great that show was. And then to have now like jump forward to like current day, you have again, this HBO max deal where you have huge blockbuster movies that are coming out this year, same day streaming for free. You have Disney plus who has Marvel and star Wars, two of the biggest media properties in the entire world. And yeah, like you have net, like the last Netflix thing I truly, truly loved um, was Queen's Gambit, which was more recent, but even before that, it was Haunted yeah. Hill House. And those are like the most two recent things. And and those are both miniseries, right? Like they're done. We're not getting any more content around that. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously there's Haunting of Bly Manor, but the story of Hill House is done. Like I loved that story. Yeah. Bly Manor, you can go listen to our review. We didn't like it. So... <laughs> Yeah, Netflix has some work to do. But moving on to our final piece of news. Sad news for all of you Quiet Place fans out there, as A Quiet Place Part 2 was pushed back, sadly, again. Uh, It's been pushed back now to September 17th of this year. So eight more months to have to wait for the the follow-up to John Krasinski's. uh, I say smash hit. Natalie doesn't say (laughs) smash hit. It was definitely it was a smash hit. It made a lot of money and, you know, awards and stuff. Um, yeah, this is interesting. I feel like, are they going to keep pushing it back? Like, too bad this isn't Warner Brothers. It would just be HBO. Like, um, this is a Paramount movie. They need to strike some type of deal so people can watch it. Because, like, I even want to watch this movie. It's so highly anticipated and it's been so hyped up, especially because it basically came out last year, but didn't actually for, you know nationwide so i don't know just like release it somehow just put it on demand and take the loss because they're already making a third movie they're gonna keep making money with this franchise so just give it to us already yeah that's the crazy thing is like you said a third one is already being developed so like if this one manages to flop for whatever reason it's like well crap now we have a third one what do we do (laughs) yeah um so yeah that's crazy to think about i I'm still excited for it. You know, Emily Blunt is great. I'm really excited to see how they can evolve the the world that they created from the first one because all the movies that came after that, like horror movies, uh, you know, following, uh, I guess, like a fear of, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like, you know, you're, the, the five main senses, right? Like you had hearing, seeing, yeah. like... Uh, Obviously, everyone remembers Bird Box. Yeah. So Bird Box did like a, a really fast job at explaining their world really, really quickly. And I wasn't the hugest fan of Bird Box, to be honest. It was it got so much hype, but I was not the biggest fan. So um, I hope yeah. that Quiet Place Part 2 doesn't get pushed back anymore. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate what's happening, but totally understandable considering, uh, you know, the coronavirus pandemic is still ongoing. But... We await the release once again. So that's your weekly horror news roundup. Let us know what you're most excited for. Uh, I feel like Adrift will probably take the cake. Um, But let's get into our review of Sightless. Because like we said in the beginning of the show, this is a movie when you go into it, especially like a Netflix horror movie, you go into it thinking, okay, how bad can this be? And... Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the best way to set your expectations because you can only go up. <laughs> you can only do better. You can't go like, oh, I think this movie's going to be great. And then you get disappointed when it's bad. If you think a movie's going to be bad and it's not as bad as you thought it would be, then you can have a solid base to have your discussion about and what could have been done better and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, this movie's called Sightless. Funny enough that, you know, we're talking about horror movies involving senses and this movie yeah. uh, revolves around a character who's blind. Um, so like I said, this movie uh, stars Madeline Petch, who is most known for playing Cheryl Blossom on the CW television series, Riverdale, uh, a show I tried to watch for one season and I just, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't keep up. I think I finished the first season and then after that I couldn't do it. Yeah, like, uh, spoilers, Riverdale people, everyone out there, if you're interested in knowing what happens in Riverdale, again, spoilers, we'll be dumb to spoil the first season of Riverdale now, and we're also going to spoil Sightless, um, but the first season ended with, like, uh, 
Cheryl's dad like hanging himself in the barn. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I was like, holy cow, but, that's crazy. <laughs> and then. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I think I tried to watch the next season, but I think it was like, I didn't have cable and the way that like I had to watch the CW was just like not reliable enough. So that's kind of on me, but now like in the fifth season, they're going to do like a huge time jump. So at this point I'm too far gone. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll go back to it, but I'm, I'm too 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 far gone. <laughs> Same. I'm. I will not be investing my time into the Riverdale universe anytime soon. Um, but yeah, this is a horror movie. Again, psychological thriller. Um, also, can you know classified as that. But this isn't the first time that uh, Madeline has done a horror movie. She's been in other ones in the past, including uh, the Hive from 2014, a science fiction horror movie. Um, a 2016 film called The Curse of Sleeping Beauty. A 2017 film, which is not a horror movie, but it was called F the Prom. (laughs) And most recently, before Sightless, was a 2019 supernatural horror film directed by Lars Klevberg called Polaroid. Interesting. So our girl is a horror lover, apparently, but I have not heard of any of those films. Me either. But I believe this is the first time she had a starring role. Um, okay. so maybe that's just, you know, Riverdale didn't start until 2017 and that's when she really took off as being a, yeah. a young star in, in TVs and movies. Um, and you know, again, Netflix is a huge platform and if people really enjoy this movie, um, and, and really enjoy her performances, I honestly could see her like going up and like trying to start like a new, like maybe I don't want to like go ahead and say like scream queen type of like level because <laughs> we have like you know the the legends of the the scream queen uh, group, but um, mm-hmm. she's definitely a rising star. Her and um, what's her name from Riverdale, uh, the blonde. Uh, what's her name? Um, Lily Reinhardt. Yeah, Betty Cooper. Uh, yeah, her, um, Petch and Camila Mendez all became superstars with Riverdale. Yeah. And I hope that, you know, whenever you become such a, a huge star on something like this, you can just take off and, and go into other stuff and become a, a star somewhere else. <clears throat> Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Prime examples of just, you know, breaking that shell of being a a, a young adult teen heartthrob character in a, in a yeah. story like that. <laughs> I agree. I think that's usually what happens. You know, it's like they're kind of in something that might be a little cheesy. They're kind of a heartthrob or it's a teen movie, a teen show, and then they get famous. And then it's like, okay, what am I actually passionate about? What do I like? And it's interesting because um, Madeline Petsch actually co-produced Sightless. So I guess this is kind of a passion project for her. Um And so this movie actually isn't a Netflix original, but they sold it to Netflix soon after it came out, probably because of COVID. It came out in the end of September and didn't hear anything about it. I don't think anyone really watched it. So Netflix got it. And I think you have a good point. Like I could see, I feel like Netflix gets like, they don't have a wide selection of horror, but they could, they could like, carve out a whole spot for it and I think if it's with you know the popular actresses for example Madeline Pesch like that would be really fun kind of like Scream Queens with uh, Emma Roberts on oh, FX yes. but something on Netflix that would be fun yeah I think it's like why not right like horror always needs new stars and um, I mean you look at the likes of uh, what's her name from Happy Death Day um, well, I think of her, uh, <clears throat> Google, um, Jessica Roth. Uh, yeah. she's fantastic in that. Catherine Newton is awesome and freaky. It's like just great opportunities everywhere. Uh, especially for, for women to become stars and beloved in the horror genre. Uh, especially as more and more, uh, I'd say younger people get interested in the genre. Um, so yeah, and also like, why not, right? Like, look at the platform that Nina Dobrev carved out for herself after Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. Like, she was a megastar. Um, yeah. So, yeah, why not? Or it's like, you know, also, or like the CW, like, uh, for example, 
Jared Padalecki became like a mega star with Supernatural, even though mm-hmm. you know he's still Dean from Gilmore Girls to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Which I binged during quarantine. No shame whatsoever. Fantastic. Love that show. Love the Gilmore Such Girls. Such a good show. So good. The, the Netflix special, <laughs> okay. not so much. But anyway, that's not what we're here talking I about. I know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay. So let's get into our actual review. Spoilers for anyone listening. If you want to turn this off and check out the movie for yourself and come back. Um, so we are going to take our first quick break. And then when we come back, it will get right into Silas. Okay. So going into this movie, we both agreed low expectations and it surprised us, which is good. I was kind of watching this movie in the beginning and thinking, like, why did she pick this? Because it, it it didn't start out too well. I think the acting from her was good, from other people was not great, and the dialogue was really awkward. So the beginning starts that... So the beginning starts out, actually, that um, the woman, her name is Ellen, but we don't know that yet, she is um, blind and she jumps off her balcony seemingly committing suicide so that's how it starts and then it's like one month earlier and we're taken to the hospital and basically somebody sprayed her with some type of chemicals and now she's blind first of all that's so fucked up (laughs) (laughs) yeah such a depressing start to the movie like an apparent suicide and then just a terrible attack that rendered this this poor woman blind just very depressing start to this movie yeah what were your first thoughts i was like interested but then once people started talking i was like "Eh, it's kind of like weird jokes and yeah i wasn't sure about it yeah the dialogue's not the strongest in the movie right i mean like even before people want to like go on like imdb and it's got like a 5.4 out of 10 on imdb so it's very much (laughs) like just based on that rating, an average movie. Right. Um, yeah. And the dialogue didn't blow me away. The opening was also just, like I said, it was depressing, but it made me think like, okay, is this where we're ending with them? Is like, are we doing like a Tarantino style thing? Yeah, is like yeah. this, how it ends. And we're going to go back to the beginning and we're going to find out, you know, about uh, what led her to this point of, of, potentially committing suicide. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say that it at least kept my attention, right? Like you want a movie to grab you yeah. and get you invested in whatever story they're going to tell. And, you know, a very <laughs> sad way to do it in the beginning with, with everything that happened. Um, but I didn't think it was terrible, but, you know, as the movie goes on, it very much, gives you this um this average feeling that i guess i've described it's like it's a very average movie but yeah continue yeah that's how i felt as well like i i was interested in it because i also thought it was going to be like a circular ending like okay now we're going to find out why she did that so i was interested but i was also like yeah okay this isn't this isn't great so far um i thought like they were doing so many of those like things where they just need to describe like they need you to know certain things about the plot. So they kind of just like say it like, oh, you were really famous and like you played violin. And she was like, oh, like I'm not that famous anymore type of thing. Like it was very just like this is what you need to know. So we're going to put it into the conversation where it wouldn't happen that way. So I thought that was just like funny. I mean, like I was laughing at it. Like it wasn't terrible, but it was kind of just like, no, that's not, that's not really how it goes. So, you know, the script, like we said, wasn't too strong, but again, not like not anything completely off the charts, terrible. So yeah. So Ellen, she finds out, you know, somebody threw chemicals in her face. She doesn't know who it was because they were wearing this mask, like a gas mask. Um, So in the hospital, they can't get, a hold of her brother or she doesn't want to talk to him or something like that it's kind of like weird and then basically she ends up in an apartment that her brother arranged for her that's kind of like I didn't think they made it that obvious in the beginning but it was kind of like an assistant living type of thing like trying to get you adjusted after you go blind 
Um, so she's basically, I did like though, because she ends up in like this really nice apartment that was like on the water or by the water. And I was like, of course they're going to put her in this like nice ass apartment. And then I was like, oh, but they did say she's famous. So maybe like she afforded it somehow. Those were just like my thoughts going through, um, how she ended up in this really seemingly nice apartment. Yeah. And then you get even more depressed cause you're like, oh, she's blind now. She can't like she doesn't know where she's living or like any of the potential like riches that she's earned through her life that we're still trying to figure out about her other than we're getting through mm-hmm. expositional dialogue. Um, and it's just like, wow, really nice place. But she does like, unfortunately, like what does she know? She, she's mm-hmm. still traumatized from what's going on. And um, she's still trying to get adjusted to life with, with being uh sightless and like uh the what's his name clayton that the the guy who's yeah caring for her uh who's played by alexander koch um who was actually in the stephen king uh series under the dome so, oh really yeah he was another horror buff or in lucifer too yep another horror buff. <laughs> um so yeah like uh again a lot of expositional stuff the movie doesn't have a long runtime it's only i believe like 80 something minutes like 89 yeah 89 minutes yeah that was the first thing i looked at when it started i was like all right if it's terrible it's not even an hour and a half so yeah things move along very fast very fast um so yeah she gets set up at the apartment everything like that um and then some things start to happen in the apartment uh she hears uh, a woman who's like pretty much distressed and doesn't know what's going on um and she's kind of freaking out because she doesn't know if the woman is in her apartment or not um yeah and is able to find out that it's actually coming from a vent so again more and more psychological aspects coming into play with someone who's obviously unable to see and trying to figure out what's going on in her life and just the, the innate fear and uncertainty of being alone at home and something else happening around you. And you're unable to either a do something or b like fully perceive what is happening. So I definitely felt that I definitely believed her performance that she was, yeah. um, I guess distress is the best way to put it in these situations because like, Lord knows how any of us would feel if we were put in this situation. I know. I kept being, like, there's no way. Like, I felt so bad for her, A, being in a new apartment. Like, I would rather be in my own apartment. So I kind of, like, could walk around and know where things are better than a completely new place. So I was like, this poor girl, terrible, terrible probably wasn't the most realistic that, you know, she has one caregiver that comes like two hours a day and then she's left alone the rest of the time. But then, you know, later on we find out why that is. Um, But I was like, all right, this is like not realistic, but it's fine. I'm buying into it. Um, Yeah. So Clayton is kind of our other main character. um, And he's just interesting off the bat. He says that he's, you know, a caregiver for a bunch of different people and that he shows different sides of Clayton to whoever he takes care of. Um, I, at that point, I kind of assumed like, oh, some of the people might be nice, some might be mean, older, younger, that type of thing. He looks around the same age as Ellen, you know, like 20s, early 30s, something like that. Um, so they hit it off and he tells her like, he tells her about the different sides and she says like, which one are you with me? And he says like, I think I'm the real me or something like that, you know, something cheesy like that. And so, of course, they strike up a little bit of a romance, which was, you could see, coming a mile away. They're both around the same age, both attractive, and that just that was just an obvious thing. What did you think? Yeah, I wasn't surprised. It, movies always need some kind of romance angle, right? I, I wasn't too sure if I was supposed to like fully believe, like, is he a good guy? Is he not a good guy? Like, is yeah. there some kind of twist with him in the end where he was the one who he was like obsessed with her or something. And he was the one who blinded her because he was also going to take care of her and like uh, some kind of like twisted, not even related in all type of way to like something uh, like audition. Uh, oh yeah. 
but like the the parallels there are really hard to come across. But you know, like a caretaker who is torturing someone because of their disability. Um, so you know, I kept my. I tried to make the movie seem as interesting as possible in my head. I was like, ooh, maybe he's a bad guy. <laughs> I I agree though. I had him on my radar, but I didn't know the extent. Like it was definitely one of those. Like yeah, ex- like you said. I feel like we've seen it in like a million movies just like someone that makes you sick or you know is a caregiver but they're actually you know not there with your best intentions stuff like that so he was on my radar also like he would randomly kind of be like a dick to her and I didn't understand why like I was like you're the caregiver she's newly blind and she's like asking you why someone's crying next door and he was just giving her so much attitude I know right? <laughs> which I was like chill bro <laughs> Yeah, uh, I wonder if that's just like the nature of the dialogue because like the movie was directed by uh, this guy Cooper Carl um, who the movie is also based on a piece of his work called Sightless um, so he directed mm-hmm. and wrote the screenplay and I get, like we've said it already like the dialogue is very strange at points um, which you know I don't want to fault the writers or anything like that just strictly for it because it could be just a nature of the screenplay and the movie having to move along so quickly with its short runtime. Um, yeah. But yeah, very, very interesting. Cause like I, I, I was so unsure if like, if the whole point of this movie is just to make us feel as bad as possible for Ellen, which it was kind of doing in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I kind of like, yeah, I felt bad for her, but then, Thankfully, it got a little bit more, you know, interesting and compelling once she had the whole thing with the neighbor, right? So finally, like she heard the neighbor crying, whatever, and then she goes, I don't, I don't know how she did all this. She walked out of the apartment room and then walked down the hall, found like the door and then left a post-it note. Like, I feel like I wouldn't even know how to write, but that's besides the point. Um, she leaves a post-it note asking if the neighbor wants to come for tea. So eventually she does. This woman named Lana and like the vibe is just off and very weird. Like it kind of, you got the sense of like, okay, she knows something that Ellen doesn't know or like she's, something's happened to her, like some type of abuse. And then like, I guess she apologized for crying and said something about her husband. So then that's kind of on the radar of like, okay, does she have an abusive husband, whatever. And Ellen tries to kind of, you know, figure out what's going on with her. And Lana's like closed off. And then she touches her face and feels like these stitches that appear. And Lana kind of just like freaks out and leaves. So poor Ellen, again, like all these things are unnatural or happening to her on top of being blind So that's when I kind of got more interested because I was like, all right, like something is off here. Like, who is this woman? And like, where are they? (laughs) I know it's, I started to get like, uh, not like post-apocalyptic vibes, but like, it felt like it was just, this was all like some sort of like crazy simulation going on. And this poor woman was just trapped in some kind of crazy plan that we don't know. And again, my brain is starting to make the movie try to seem even as as interesting as it could possibly be. Um, But yeah, like it goes on um, again, like you talked about the, the romantic stuff continues to build. um, And then there's, then they start to really play on uh, even more with like uh, really like terrorizing Ellen. Um, with her with her disability because uh you know she's alone in her apartment one time you know she thinks it's lana who's come over but it's not lana um and she just gets absolutely abused by lana's husband and just like calls her like a a paranoid bitch or something like that yeah and i'm just like holy cow like what is going on? like this movie better have some crazy redemption for Ellen, because she is just getting absolutely tortured this entire movie, and I felt so bad for her. <laughs> I agree. It started like to feel, especially with the husband. Like I, I'm with you. I was pretty much like, okay, she's in like a Hunger Games, Cabin in the Woods type thing. Like there's a monitor, and people are watching her because this is not real life. Like, and also side note, she keeps like 
trying to call her best friend who is just leaving her on red. Like she just, it goes to voicemail every time. And so she has no one besides Clayton, which, you know, is probably part of why the romance happened between them. But I I was like, okay, yeah, I was sensing like there had to be some type of twist or else the movie would have just been bad. Yeah. So all of my thoughts of trying to make the movie seem more interesting than it were uh, actually started to pay off because more and more you start to get creepy vibes from Clayton. Um, and I com- I know I compared it to audition earlier, um, but I think maybe a better comparison is like uh, 10 Cloverfield lane with uh, Mary mm-hmm. Elizabeth Winstead and, and John Goodman living in that bunker and John Goodman just being like, yeah. it's, not, it's not safe for you. Like you can't like, I'm here to take yeah. care of you. Um, and just the growing paranoia of, uh, of Ellen, um, just freaking out, not knowing what the hell is going on. And it's mm-hmm. so hard watching it. Cause you're like, we know what's going on, <laughs> but she has no clue what's going on. So I liked that part of it because I, I did buy into the whole, um, Ellen's whole character and really the, the paranoia and the disbelief on everything that was going on. And, and, really like how frightened she seemed at times kind of in the same way that, uh, Elizabeth Moss did, um, in Invisible mm-hmm. Man. Obviously Elizabeth Moss's performance is like one of the best in, in horror that I've seen in a long time. She's fantastic mm-hmm. in it. Um, and it's, you know, this movie's not going to get the same praise that Invisible Man did, but, uh, the, the movie didn't do a bad job at, at portraying Ellen's emotions, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. She was just completely helpless. And it's like the only person she could tell is Clayton who like halfway through or even a quarter through the movie, you're kind of like, eh, is he, is he, you know, there for the right reasons? If we're using bachelor slang, um, definitely got bad vibes from him. <laughs> nice. I like that. <laughs> um, and yeah, so definitely, definitely did a good job at, you know, portraying her as like completely helpless. And like I said, I think that she is a good actress. I think she, um, had a good performance. Um, and also I think you said this, like they did, I, they did a good job at kind of like building up the paranoia. Like she, since she's blind now, she's kind of relying on her hearing for everything. So she's kind of like, putting her ear up against the wall and is like, why is this window more loud than this one? And Clayton kind of makes something up like, oh, the water or something. And then she also noticed like, oh, at like 10 something o'clock in the morning, there's always this car alarm. And then like it goes off at this time and then you get here. Like she's noticing these weird patterns and Clayton's kind of like, yeah, he probably like goes to work at that time, but it's like, doesn't really, like why would your car alarm sound off? You know what I mean? Like, She's realizing like it, this is not right, but at the same time, she has she can't do anything about it. And then things truly escalate when a woman breaks into her apartment and then starts strangling her. Um, and then they send in good old Agent Bryce, who is the detective on her case of whoever the person was who threw acid or whatever the chemicals was in her face. He comes and then throws a curveball of like, oh, it might have been your best friend Sasha who did it. And then Ellen is like, okay, was she the one that just strangled me? And he's like, no. So it kind of just like didn't add up. And it, I just felt so bad for her. I was like, what is going on? Like, it kind of threw me off. And then in the end, it all came together. But it, it was just like you said, so many bad things happening to her that were like absurd. Yeah. And, I feel like at some point (laughs) movies sometimes go too far with the twist they're trying to like tell it's like yeah okay let's set up this shady character but it's not him we're going to subvert your expectations it's going to be this person Um, but if you do that like 20 times in a movie like it didn't do it 20 times this movie but like it continued to lead you on that like by the time you're doing this you need to have some kind of like scream level ending where it's like yeah. this massive reveal and your jaw is dropped. And unfortunately that's not in this movie, but yeah. Um, it's, it, I, that's a major gripe I have with movies sometimes where it's like, Oh, it could be this person. Did this person do this? No, it wasn't. Okay. Okay. So someone blinded her. 
A creepy person is taking care of her who is clearly in love with this woman. There's a woman living next door who's apparently being abused and someone just strangled her, but it's not, and it's not related to anything that's going on here. I'm like, (laughs) okay, uh, I'll figure this out eventually. Um, But like, even going back to a further point, right. Before we like can, can move on and we can uh, take our final break and kind of leave it off where we began with the review was, it's kind of like Little Red Riding Hood in a sense, right? It's like, why are you like wearing glasses? It's like, oh, just to see you better. It's like a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? You're like, yeah. You're like, what? That's weird. It's like, why are you acting like this? So, um, again, like I did kind of like those aspects of it that she was doing her best with what she had available to, you know, make herself safe uh, or, you know, get herself out of the terrible situation she's about to find herself in. Um, but, yeah, basically, like you said, someone comes in, strangles her, um, and, like, it kind of all builds up to the fact that, like, she's just alone in this world, and she's, you know, in this terrible spot, um, and she she writes a letter, uh, and we get to the beginning of the movie, uh, where she jumps from her balcony. Yeah. Um, I know I like what I think she had like narration that she was like writing the letters and I was kind of like, okay, so this is suicide notes. But I was like, but this can't be how it ends. Right. Because like what I kind of like was predicting maybe she does um, take her life and then like we find out retrospectively like who was the one who did it. Um, I'm glad how it turned out. But I guess before we turn into the plot twist, we can take our final break. And then if you've stuck with us and still haven't seen the movie, um, you might as well stay and listen to the plot twist and then see if you want to watch it. Um, So we'll be right back. Okay. So do you want to explain what happens next or do you want me to? Um, Yeah, I can, (laughs) I I, I can explain it. Um, So basically I was right. (laughs) And like, this is why I didn't think the movie was as bad as it was, right? Because like, yeah, I, like I said, I was trying to make it seem way more interesting, and I was trying to build up in my head how crazy this movie could potentially be. And um, in some way, I was right because she jumps from her balcony, and in fact, she did not die. Um, but she wakes up on the floor of a soundproof room, and you're immediately like, "Okay, cabin in the woods." She's been, yeah, mon- monitored by cameras or something, or like. Uh, Belco experiment or something. It's like the government or whatever. Um, and, you know, all the noises that she's been hearing are fake. The The car alarms are coming from these big-ass speakers. Um, the high-rise apartment she thought she was living in uh, was not really that. Uh, and mm-hmm. She's just been, you know, now finally realizes that she's being essentially duped uh, and being held captive, like kidnapped, essentially. Um by dun, 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 Clayton. <laughs> oh, Clayton! Yeah, when she jumped off and then hit, kind of like it reminded me of like a like in movies, like in a say an asylum, because it's like all like the walls, like you can't hurt yourself, whatever. It's like plush, and I immediately for some reason thought of like Pretty Little Liars. I guess because we're kind of like watching a, a a teen star in this movie, but. In Pretty Little Liars, there's, like, I forget what season it was. It was when it started getting bad. But, like, A trapped some of the girls in a house. So I just got similar vibes besides the point. But I started getting kind of hype. I was like, oh, shit. She's not really in an apartment. Like, I, like you said, it was, like, my, like, um, suspicions were kind of true. And, and, like you said, I was kind of hoping for something, you know, more insane. So, I was more excited about that. I was like, all right, here we go. And we knew with the 89-minute runtime, we're coming to the end here. So um, you can't say this movie is slow at all. Um, so, so yeah, so she basically also, like, this is insane. We've said this a million times, but this is insane for a normal person, let alone someone that's blind. Um, not normal, but someone that has their sight. So that was crazy. And I think just like seeing so many things from like her point of view, how she thought they were was really interesting. Um, so she, she, so what happens next? She escapes and then she, 
does she go back to the apartment or she sees Lana first? I don't yeah, remember. She, yeah, she goes, she finds out that the apartment, um, you know, is part of this whole thing. And it's like, she's exploring the hallways and everything like that. And she realizes that she's, you know, trapped somewhere. Um, and then she uh, talks to Lana and Lana's like, this is home. This is, this is where yeah. I live. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, shit's definitely not okay. <laughs> yeah, um, that conversation was interesting, too, because she was trying to get information out of Lana, and she was like, people are listening to us, right? And then she was like, why Like, why is this happening, something? And then Lana says, like, you saved them. And she's kind of like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, so that was interesting. I, I was like, kind of like compelled there. I was like, huh? Like save them. How? Like, is this going to turn into like some type of religious cult or something? Imagine. <laughs> like, I, I was ready for anything. Um, yeah. So then she speaks with Clayton, right. And kind of like confronts him about it. And, but, or no, she like goes along with it because he was supposed to come over and cook her dinner. Right. She comes over to cook her dinner or he comes over to cook her dinner. And uh, the realization is made that uh, all the people that Ellen has been interacting with kind of have been Clayton playing different characters, Um, which is a crazy reveal. It's like kind of like split where it's like, you know, you're dealing with someone who has different personalities. um, And uh, she's at this point, she's like, she's fed up with this bullshit. So she knocks him out and, makes a run for it um so that uh the the whole plan now is to get to lana and try to get out of this uh building by using that uh the vent in in clayton's room um and then another plot twist um (laughs) lana is actually someone who helped clayton because she's in fact clayton's sister (laughs) and she helped kidnap ellen and you're at this point you're like what the hell is going on here? And why is this happening? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like she was also a victim. Like I'm sure Clayton kind of, it was his idea and he made her do it. But at the same time, I was like, Oh my God, really? Like now Ellen has one less person to rely on. Um, So yeah, but she does kind of help her out. She's like, there's a vent in his room. If you, you know, you can get out of there from there. But of course, Clayton is not unconscious for long. He comes back and kind of like ties her to the chair and everything like that. And then he explains what the hell is going on. And his whole explanation is kind of like what he had talked about before. His mom was really sick growing up and she passed away when he was pretty young. And then he goes on to tell Ellen that his dad was abusive, locked him in a cellar for I think three years, he said. Which is like, whoa, 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 like just glazed right over that. I was like, back up. Like, did I just hear that right? <laughs> um, so obviously this is a twisted person from his past. Um, and then he says, of course, I think you're starting to realize what this is all about. When he was in the cellar, like his sister played him music and it was Ellen's violin classical music. <laughs> and Ellen goes, my music? Like, she is as shocked as a viewer, and, like, I think she finds it just as ridiculous as, as we did, because I was like, what? That's, like, kind of a stretch. Yeah, you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is all because I played the violin. <laughs> really? Like, this is why we're here. I plucked some strings, <laughs> and this is why we're here. And I'm just, at this point, I'm like, wow, I feel so bad for her. Just... Some crazy universe had turned out in the way that this poor boy was tormented his entire life, and he just happened to listen to this woman's music. And what did it result in? She, her losing her sight and being kidnapped and tortured by this this sick boy. And I'm just, I'm just like, wow, just kick his ass, please, just beat the, just beat the shit out of this guy, just one time also I'm like wondering they look the same age like at what age was he locked in the cellar that he heard her music like the whole thing I'm kind of just like what like it didn't really make all that sense to me but if we're just gonna go along with it for the story's sake fine that's what happened oh yeah and- we're, we're all we're all we're already into this movie we're near the end <laughs> I'm fully invested at this point I'm like 
Yeah, he did. Like, I, whatever. <laughs> uh, you Makes can, sense. Yeah, you can save me the 10 minutes of the whole cellar scene of him being tortured and all that stuff. <laughs> I just get to kicking this guy's ass. Let's go. Um, and then also, before she found um, the little jar of, she realized it's like the chemicals that actually were thrown into her eyes. So she had that locked and loaded. And then finally, um, I don't know when she had the time to do this, but it's fine. It happened. He is like knocking, like about to knock her out and she spits the chemicals into his eyes. So now for some reason it wasn't poison to her, but it blinded him. And now he is, you know, shocked on the floor trying to like figure out what's going on. My eyes, all of that. He is now blind and Lana comes and helps her escape. Yeah, and then six months later, <laughs> she goes on stage, and she's going to perform, and uh, that's kind of how the movie ends. And so, a couple things, like so she ingests, so she puts some chemicals in her mouth, and it's fine, right? <laughs> like, like, like what? Like no, like uh, I'm so confused. Like I know. Did she it not- remind me? Yeah, I feel like that happened like in Game of Thrones or something, but like the person died. Like they did it just to like poison someone or something like that. And like that's what I would kind of thought like, oh, she sacrificed her life just to take this guy out. And I was like, nope, she's fine, which I'm glad. I'm Team Ellen here, but I I was very confused. Yeah, me too. Uh, And (laughs) at the end of it, I was like, is that really what he just deserves? Is just being blinded? Like, like I could have dealt with like five more minutes of just like beating the crap the out of him. Police coming. Yeah. Or yeah. like a, the detective or like she meets up with her brother or like what happened to her best friend? Like so many unanswered questions. But at the point, like at the end, I was kind of like, all right. Yep. Of course. That's like what I'm expecting kind of it to end somewhat abruptly. Um, but there are definitely a lot of questions unanswered. Yeah. But again, you know, we didn't really, yeah. We weren't expecting those all to be answered. Right. Did we need that? Probably. Are we upset we didn't get it? Eh, not really. Um, yeah, I mean, like, at the end of it, I thought, like, all right, well, I, like, we could have gotten, like, I just, some more comeuppets, I feel like is a good way to describe it. For this just absolute dick. <laughs> just like, bro, what are you doing to this poor woman? Like, I'm sorry you were, like, kept captive in a basement for three years, but, like, See a therapist, man. Do something. Get some help. Like, let's not blind a young woman and then keep her captive. Like, come on. Also, like, how did he construct this whole... It was, like, basically a warehouse that he had to have, like, a fake apartment and then his room and then kind of, like, whatever else he had. Like, how did he have the funds? Maybe he got rich off of GameStop stock. (laughs) you know he was just on r slash wall street bets and he got all the cash and he was he was going to the moon and he was just like you know hold on a second wasn't i listening to that girl's violin music a long time ago oh yeah i was hmm what should i do i'm gonna blind her and then hold her captive and you know tell her that i love her because that's just that's just a great way to do things I know it's like you would think I guess he probably didn't I don't know if he thought it that much through but like even if like okay they're in love they're dating she believes everything like at some point oh I guess I was gonna say at some point she's gonna want to like go outside but like they could go outside and just like not see anyone she knows because apparently she knows two people so yeah and like well again why was she being left on red <laughs> like, well, yeah. I don't know we got we gotta find oh. out if she's really famous, wouldn't, like, more people be invested in trying to figure out where she is? Right. Like, like how famous TMZ. is she? Like, how famous is she, I think, is something that the movie could have answered. <laughs> like, we've said that the movie is really, really fast. Um, but, like, it's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, right? Like, if it was any okay. slower, I would have been like, come Boy. on, come on already. Like, let's let's pick up the pace. Is he a bad guy or is he a good guy? Like, what are we doing here? Um, but also, like, I would have liked a little bit more. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm interested, like, since this was based on a short film, maybe that was kind of, you know, more successful, like, just, you know, better, just because it's more concise. And, you know, I think this is, it's a good idea. I think that, you know, just the dialogue was a little not great. And there were just like some loose ends that needed to be tied up. But it's definitely a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed the concept of the movie. And yeah. I don't mind the basic twist of her caretaker being the uh, abuser, right? I do mm-hmm. like that. Um, I don't know if I completely buy into the whole listening to violin because he was tortured himself. Um, but that's the direction it went. So I, uh, I can't really do anything about that. Um, but in terms of like, like ups and downs for this movie, uh, two thumbs up for, for Madeline Petch. I thought she was, she was good playing, uh, unfortunately a character who was just absolutely tortured the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I do like her. So I think she did a good job. Um, the Alan Alexander coach, the Clayton character didn't think he was that strong, but at the same time, his character was interesting. So, um, you know, there's that. Um, and I think that's really like, I don't, I don't know if I have much more to say, like, like you said, good concept, not really the best, um, you know, how it all came together, but wasn't terrible. Uh, what out of 10, what would you give it? Um, I think a five is like, I think a five is fair. I think the 5.4 on IMDb is pretty fair. Um, with a little more, like I would maybe bump it up to like a five and a half solely for, uh, Madeline Petch's, uh, performance in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I, it's it's like all in all like a, just the perfect Netflix movie to just put on and like turn your brain off and watch. Yeah, I think I would give it a six. Like it had my interest, you know, the whole time, and I think it's one of those things. Of course, it's like your expectations had no expectations, and was like, all right, that was fine. Whereas if I had a lot of hype for this and then watched this, I would have been like, it's kind of garbage, but. It's all about, you know, uh, perspective. So, like you said, just a movie that's streaming, easy to watch. I could see people be like, this is a good movie. And I would be like, I disagree. But, like, I could see that and it wouldn't be, like, ludicrous to say. Yeah. It's like the whole thing about, like, subverting expectations and also just, like, building up expectations in our own head, right? Like, we're we're at our own fault for that. Like the most clear yeah. example is Game of Thrones because for the last season of Game of Thrones, everyone had all of this hype and expectation for something they loved for the past seven years. And when it craps mm-hmm. the bed, you are even more angry because you had all these expectations for what they could have done, but they didn't do it. So you're like, not only was that yeah. bad, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. So for something like this, it's like I didn't want any. I didn't want this movie to win Best Picture. I just want this movie to hold my attention for its runtime and for me to walk away at the end of it and be like, okay, that wasn't so bad. And then you know yeah. when you're like, oh, is Clayton the bad guy? And it you know that can go one or two ways. You'd be like, oh well, that was so predictable. It was him all along. But also it's like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Like the movie is, you know, it's telling you what's going to happen essentially. But you're also kind of being led astray in a couple paths of the, in a couple points of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And you're not, you know, you don't want your movie to, like, you don't want to be smarter than the movie. Mm-hmm. So there's that as well, but also like, you don't want the movie to be stupid or like, you don't want the movie to be too smart in a sense. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe I'll alter my grade. I, that, like five, six, why not? <laughs> yeah I think yeah also just like talking it over it was like it was entertaining you know like like you said turn your brain off you don't have to think too hard it was like a couple times I was like oh like you know kind of surprised or you know I was I was entertained um I think is a perfect word so that's all that's all we need sometimes I think um you know a lot of horror movies it's fun to just turn off your brain and watch like a 80 something minute movie and just say like yeah that was fun 
and probably never watch it again. But I think that's this is one of those. Yeah, that's the point of the podcast too, right? It's to review movies like that. And <laughs> if people are on the fence and they listen to our review and they're like, yeah, I'll watch it. Why not? Um, or even just like if this wasn't a movie they wanted to watch, but they were interested to hear other people's thoughts on it. Yeah. So we can do as well. Um, so yeah, like I would totally agree with you that it's like a movie that if someone came out, was like, that was amazing. I'd be like, well, hold, <laughs> no. your, hold your roll a little bit there. Like, or slow your roll. <laughs> like, let's actually talk about this. But if someone was like, that movie was garbage, I'd be like, well, hold on. Slow your roll. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, I completely agree. So anyone listening, let us know what you thought of this movie. If you thought it was better than we thought, or you thought it was worse than we thought, or you agree with us, any opinions we want to hear from you, um, make sure to give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, and you can let us know there. Um, or you can tweet at us. Um, my at is at Natalie Zamora with two A's, and Max is at Odd Slice. So... Yeah, let us know what you thought. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.